We're proud of our seniors and uh, just praying blessings on, on all of you. I just want to say way to go, uh, seniors. Praying that uh, you're going to let God lead you and guide you and whatever that next chapter of your life is going to be. And I promise you, if you do that, uh, Jesus is going to walk with you and, and you're going to see his goodness in, in your life. And that's what we all want for you. So way to go. Hey, good to be with you, uh, Edinburgh. Hey, love my church family. So good uh, seeing all of you uh, this morning. And uh, if you're guests, I want to give you a warm welcome as well. We're glad you're with the family too. And hey, those of you watching online, we're glad you are uh, tuned in uh, today. Uh, we've been in this uh, series called um, Encountering Jesus. But before we jump into that, I just want to give you guys just one little uh, kind of update, something to maybe consider uh, being a part of tonight uh, between 6 and 8 o'clock. Uh, there's going to be a time of prayer and worship here in the lower level. Uh, I'll just tell you, for those of you who are um, maybe desiring a little more time just to pray, a little more time to, to worship, this is going to be a, a perfect thing for you. You can come when you want. You can leave with, when you want. Uh, but uh, if you're desiring more, all right, this is a great opportunity. And I'll tell you, it, it might be a little raw tonight. We're going to just kind of see where it goes. Uh, it, it, it might not be pretty. <laughs> But the point is we want to meet with God. It's all about God. This is going to be for God. It's not for us. It's going to be for God. But I think if that's our heart, there will be something in it for us. Because I think God's going to meet us in that place. So maybe you want to consider joining us uh, this evening between 6 and 8 for prayer and worship. Well, like I said, we're in our series, Encountering Jesus. And uh, I've said, man, our world needs a Jesus encounter right now. Our very community needs a Jesus encounter. And I make, you know, I, I, I don't hide the fact I, I need a Jesus encounter every day of my life. And I want to, to meet with Jesus and to be with Jesus and experience all that I can from Jesus. Because, man, there's just, that's the place you want to be. That's, that's where you encounter God. That's where you encounter the goodness of God. It flows through our relationship, through our faith. In Jesus Christ. Do you believe that God wants to be good to you? Do you believe that God wants to bless your life? In all kinds of ways. All kinds of ways. Maybe even ways that you haven't thought of. The Bible says he, he can do more than we ask or imagine. A uh, little update for you as well. Hey, your pastor is no longer driving a Kia Spectra. <laughs> yeah, someone's applauding for me down here. Man, we hated that car, I guess. Um, Danielle and I, so here, here's kind of the quick story. A couple weeks ago, I started having this desire to get something new, and I was going to look at like a used convertible of some kind. I was thinking like some old Sebring that I could get for cheap, kind of interested in it. But I wanted a convertible. I just thought that'd be fun. But then I started having this desire for a truck, and I wanted like a mid-sized truck. So I had this tension, right, convertible truck. And uh, Danielle, just out of the blue, uh, she says, well, you're wanting a convertible. You're wanting a truck. Have you ever considered a Jeep? I'd never thought about a Jeep. I had never even, like, really crossed my mind. And so uh, one thing led to another. And, uh, friends, your pastor is now driving a new uh, Jeep, all right? I'm driving a, a – oh, man, we really hated that Kia. Okay. <laughs> 
Uh, I'm driving a Jeep Gladiator. It's the truck version of the Jeep. But here's kind of the cool story in it. I, I actually got some people praying about it because uh, that's a kind of a big deal, scary thing. Like, uh, you know, I had that Jeep for what? I mean, I had my Kia for over like 13 years or something like that. So kind of a big deal. I got the board of directors praying about it. I said, if this is not a good deal, uh, just, you know, just have God close the door. That was my prayer. I can walk away from this. I'm, and uh, I'm leasing, so don't tell Dave Ramsey, all right? Uh, but, but it was like the, the, the base model because that's where the deal was. Like it was such a low uh, monthly payment. I was like, I can do this. But it was, I was going to get the base model. And I was a little bummed with the base model because when you have a Jeep, you kind of want those souped-up wheels just a little bit. It didn't come with the souped-up wheels. And the one thing I had in the beginning said was a non-negotiable for me is I wanted a remote start right here. And I'm like, if I'm getting a new car here in Minnesota, be able to, re- you know, I want that remote start so I can get that car warmed up. But it, it didn't come with either of those. I was like, all right, all right, I'm just going to trust God in this, and it's such a good, good deal. I'm going to move forward. Well, uh, they didn't have it on the lot because, you know, you know, if you don't know, there's car shortage right now and all that. So they had to order this thing. I had to put a deposit down. And then they called me up and say, hey, your, your car's in. This was this past week. And uh, Danielle and I drive in there together, and the car is sitting there uh, in front of the dealership. Um, kind of away from all the other cars. And Daniel's like, that can't, that can't be the car. I'm like, that can't be it. So we get out, and the salesman's right there waiting for us. He goes, this is your, this is your new Jeep. I'm like, this can't be it. He's like, no, this is your car, and it's going to come up. Uh, we, we couldn't get you from the factory, the base model, so, so we're giving you the upgrade for the same price. And uh, guess what it just happens to come with? The souped-up tires and the remote start. I'm like... Okay, now listen. See, I'm starting to feel it right now. I'm starting to feel it, and I don't want to get all charismatic on you right now. I know it's a small thing. Like, that's a car. In fact, like, I even went home that night, and I said, God, I want to be very clear. I'm excited about the new car, but I'm not cashing out my blessings on this thing. This, this is a car. There is nothing sadder than people who define their life by the car they drive. You know what I'm saying? I want more than that. I want more for my life, I want more for my family, for my kids, for my church, for the community, than my car. But at the same time, I couldn't say, thank you, Jesus, because I saw you in this thing. I saw you in this deal. You knew my desires, and and, and it might be a little thing in the big scheme of life, but but you were there, and you blessed this whole whole process, giving me something I'm, I'm pretty, pretty happy with. Do you, do you believe that God blesses us even the things like car purchases and stuff like that? I mean, again, God wants to do so much more in our life than just, you know, things like, like car purchases. But I'm telling you, he is a good God who wants to bless you. I want you to know that as your pastor. Like, he wants to bless your life more than you know. But here's what I also know. If we're going to experience the blessing of God, it comes by way of faith. It comes through faith, through believing. And uh, let's just be honest for a second. The supernatural claims of the Bible and the supernatural promises of the Bible can, can cause even those with the strongest faith at times to doubt. The things that happen in life and just the hardships and the, the wondering where is God in certain situations can cause us to doubt. 
And I want you to know here at Edinburgh, this is a safe place to have your doubts. This is a safe place to have your questions. But at the same time, I know that if we're going to encounter Jesus and experience all that he wants for our life and all the goodness he wants for you, it's going to come by way of faith. And so this morning, we're going to study a character in the Bible named Thomas. He has, he's, he, he's you know, been labeled, unfortunately, Doubting Thomas. And after Jesus uh, has been crucified, we're going to see that Thomas is going to have his doubts about these testimonies that he's hearing that Jesus has been resurrected and is alive. So we're going to be looking at John 20 uh, today. I'm just going to jump in here. We read this in verse 24. It says, now Thomas, also known as Didymus, just a little side note, his name means twin. So he had a twin sibling. He was one of the 12. He's one of the disciples. He was not with the disciples when Jesus came, meaning when Jesus showed up post-crucifixion. Talk about being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Can you imagine missing out on that? Okay. In fact, I want to just back up and read for you what that event looked like when Jesus showed up to the other disciples. It says, on the evening of that first day of the week, so this would have been Sunday, when the disciples were together... With the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, they're they're afraid, they think they're going to be next to be crucified because they were his followers. Jesus came and he stood among them and he said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands, his scarred hands and his, his side were even pierced and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. We can only imagine that, that level of joy, right? Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am now sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Why would he do that? Why would he say receive the Holy Spirit? He's preparing them for Pentecost and the Holy Spirit coming down and the power. By the way, we're going to do a series on the Holy Spirit in a couple weeks. And we need the Holy Spirit, friends, if we're going to have faith. It is the Holy Spirit that enables us To believe. And so he's wanting to enable them to believe so that they will have power and be able to encounter God the way they are supposed to. And poor Thomas, he misses this. I can only imagine. What a bummer. And we don't know why he's not there when this happens. Um, I can't help but wonder if maybe Thomas just needed a little alone time after seeing Jesus crucified. Needed just some time to be by himself. And process what he had just seen. Uh, Maybe he missed this because maybe he's like, well, uh, Jesus is gone. Jesus is dead. I got to get my business, my old business before I was a follower of Jesus back together because my plans have changed. Who who knows why, why Thomas wasn't there, but he misses out on seeing Jesus resurrected. And and so it says, verse 25, the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. And that exclamation mark there is right. I mean, you can only imagine the passion the disciples must have felt in trying to communicate to Thomas, we saw Jesus alive. Oh, I can only imagine what Peter was trying to say to Thomas. To get Thomas to believe, but verse 25 goes on to say, but Thomas said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, 
I will not believe. So Thomas here is probably thinking they're out of their minds. Thomas here is thinking the other disciples are crazy. You can understand his skepticism. Maybe he's thinking they saw somebody that looks like Jesus. I can only imagine what's going through his head, trying to figure out, you know, a justification. Sometimes we think those people in the first century just believed anything they heard. No, they didn't. They were just as skeptical as we are today. Thomas is like, I'm not going to be fooled. Even if 10 of you saw this resurrected Jesus as you claim, maybe Some way your eyes fooled you. And I can only think what Thomas was, how he was trying to justify what they were saying and claiming had had happened. And it's interesting that he uses this word unless, unless I see the nail marks. This is often what we say. This is what the world says. This is very important for us to understand. The way way the world works, and, and this is true even in the church sometimes, it's unless I see I won't believe. By the way, if you're taking notes, I put this in your handout. Unless I see, I won't believe. That's often how the world works. And if we were honest, that's often how our hearts work. Unless I see it, I won't believe. But here's God's way. God's way says, unless I believe. I won't see. And this, friends, is very, 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 very important for us. This is backwards. This is if I want to see the goodness of God and I want to see the things that God promises me in his word, I have to start by believing. I believe so that I can see. Okay, now, with that said, Jesus is gracious. Thank God. He is a gracious, a gracious God. Verse 26 goes on to say, a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them this time, okay? Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. You know, two observations here. This is the second time it's told us, though the doors were locked. Do you realize why the author is telling us this? <laughs> Apparently, Jesus, he's resurrected in the physical, a physical body that they can see and touch. He eats with them as well later on. Jesus is able to teleport. I'm resurrected physical body, and he's able to appear both times through a locked house in their midst. Does that kind of blow our minds a little bit? Is that kind of big? Is that kind of hard to believe? You can see why the things of God are hard for us to. And this is an incredible, John wants us to know. Jesus is teleporting here and just showing up wherever he wants, even though he's, he's able to do that in a physical form. And the other thing I, I want us to see is Jesus says, first thing, again, this is the third time he says this, peace, peace be with you. <laughs> Don't you love that? Because what is he saying? Friends, everything I told you is true. 
All of my promises are true. Here I am, proof in your midst. So you don't need to fear. You don't need to worry. You don't need to be anxious. Peace. Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. And I just have a feeling he said this with such gentleness and compassion, stop doubting and believe. (laughs) Stop doubting, Thomas. I love you. And believe. All these things are true. Thomas said to him, my Lord, and then don't miss this, my God. He recognizes who Jesus is. Jesus is God. Verse 29, then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Do you realize who Jesus is talking about right here? He's talking about you and me today. Those of us who weren't around leading up to his ascension, who haven't seen him physically resurrected from the dead, but who believe. Why would he say we're blessed? Because the implication here is we're more blessed than even these disciples who now have seen it. Because they don't have to live by faith anymore. They've seen it. Why are we more blessed? Because God moves and works and reveals his goodness through people who believe. God's goodness manifests itself. His presence and his power are going to be more powerful in our lives. Because we have faith and belief. And one of my concerns for the church today, friends, is that the church has a lot of good things to offer. I mean, it does. For all the flack the world gives the church, we have some really good things. We have community, and you can find really good friends in the church. I'm thankful for my friends in the church. We have good songs to sing and good music. We can hear an encouraging message. We have programs for our kids so that our kids grow up to be good kids because that's what we want. We want our kids to grow up and at least follow the second half, right, those tablets, the Ten Commandments. We have great traditions. (laughs) Who loves Christmas? (laughs) I didn't always love Christmas. I became a believer, and then I fell in love with Christmas. I probably love Christmas. The only person who would compete, I think, whose love would compete with my love for Christmas would be Pastor Bob at this church, okay? But I love it. Danielle and I leave our tree up through March. Only when the neighbors start making fun of us do we take it down, all right? Because we celebrate it that long. We love Christmas. We love Christmas. I love to drive around and peek in all your houses and see your festivities. It's creepy what we do. But for us, it's Christmas. 
I love the traditions. I love that my kids are growing up hearing good moral teachings from Jesus. I love that we have songs to sing. I love that we can hear encouraging messages. I love my relationships and my friendships. But friends, you can have all those things and miss the heart of what it is to be a Christian, which is to believe in a supernatural God. A supernatural God who does supernatural things like raise the dead. And we can miss it. And we can be just as skeptical and just as doubtful as Thomas. And we can miss what it's all about to be someone who believes and trusts God for his promises and his goodness and his blessings in our life. I'm trying to keep my passion curbed a little bit this morning. Because I've been told I come across as angry sometimes. <laughs> well, this is, see, I have this eyebrow problem. Ah, I'm not angry, but I am passionate. I like to think Peter was like that when he was talking to Thomas. Probably got a little riled up trying to keep it curved this way. <laughs> Listen, I want you to see what Hebrews 11:6 says. It says, without faith, it is what? It's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. Most of us would say that. Yeah, I believe that God exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. What about that? Do you believe that? Do you believe that God will reward you if you seek him? Which it's going to mean more of his presence, more of his goodness, and it might even lead to things. Like getting a good deal when you go to a car dealership. I don't know. But he promises to reward. And we're supposed to live by faith that he will reward. Okay? So without that faith, it's impossible to please God. Here's how I've begun to think about faith. And I think this is really important for us as a church. Think about faith like fuel. Not so much fuel for you. Fuel for God. To move and work in your life. Now, now, don't hear me wrong. God has infinite power and can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, wherever he wants. But he's pretty clear in the Bible. He's, he chooses to work through faith. So our faith is like fuel that we give to God for him to unleash his goodness. Think about that. We give God the fuel he needs. I told you a story last week where Jesus went into his hometown, and it says he couldn't do many miracles there. Why? Because of their lack of faith. He could have. He's God. But he chooses not to. Faith becomes the fuel that God requires, at least chooses, to work and to move and to reveal his presence and his goodness in, in our lives. So, so we need that we need that fuel. Listen to some of the things Jesus said. He says, if you, what's that word? Believe. You will receive, and, and this is incredible, whatever you ask for in prayer. Oh, man, I, I don't know. If you're like me, you read this, and where does your mind instantly go? To the exceptions. Anybody else, or am I alone? See, I read that, and I'm like, okay, there's got to be some exceptions to it, because he said whatever. Now, don't get me wrong. Like James says, if it's just for your selfish desires, God's not going to let you get things in your life that are going to destroy you, okay? But why do we do that? 
Why is our knee-jerk reaction, oh, 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 oh that, can't, that can't be true. Oh, oh. Does Jesus even go on to give a caveat? He doesn't. I just wonder what would happen if we just believed it. If I believe, he's going to give me whatever I want. I, I didn't say it. That's the promise Jesus just gave us. And right, I can just feel it in the room. There's a little like, uh, uh, why? Why not just take Jesus at his word and believe? <laughs> he says it elsewhere in Mark eleven twenty four. 24. This is even maybe a little stronger. He says, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. So here's now, he's telling us, act like you've already received it. Pray in such a way, and then act like it's yours. And again, I didn't say this, this is Jesus, and I just wonder what would happen if we lived our lives with that kind of faith. Friends, faith is, is what is going to unleash God's goodness in our life. Faith is what's going to give God the power he needs to move and to work. In our life, and again, I said, you know, God can do whatever he wants, whenever, wherever, however, and sometimes he's gracious even outside of our faith, but in general, he chooses to move through our faith. And so the question becomes, if we're going to experience his goodness and we, 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 he, he, he wants us to be a people of faith so that he can move and reveal his presence and goodness, what, what do I need to do to strengthen my faith? Because sometimes my faith wanes. And sometimes I don't believe the way I, I should. So if you're taking notes, I'm just going to give you two um, things that might help. And then I'm going to give you a challenge at, at the end of this message, okay? So here's the first thing. I, I strengthen my faith first by, by just asking God for more faith. And don't you love that Jesus shows up to Thomas? Just, Thomas, here I am. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you mercy. I'm going to help you out here, buddy. I think God is willing to do that for you. If your faith is small, maybe your faith is even non-existent this morning. God, would you just give me faith? Because I do believe faith is a supernatural gift. You know, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. It says, for it is by grace... You have been saved, and then what? Okay, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can, can, can boast. Now, most commentators that I have read on this passage say something interesting. I don't know if they're right, but this is what most commentators, at least in the circles that I have read, they claim that this is a package deal. That if you study it in the Greek, the gift, what is the gift referring to there? For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It is the gift. What is the gift? They would argue it's all of it. It's the grace, but it's also the faith. It's the entire package. It's everything we need to receive salvation. That is a gift. Now, whether that's right or wrong, I don't know, and I'm not going to get into it. But here's what I will say, mom and dad. The most important prayer you will pray for your children is, Lord, give them faith. 
give my children faith. Because we often are praying about their concerns about how they're doing at school or their friendships or you name it or their problem over here, what they need help with or our dreams for them. But I'm telling you what will solve 90% of that is God, give them faith so they know you. Faith so that they believe and trust in you in a personal way that it's real for them. Because friends, we need supernatural help. To believe and to trust the supernatural claims and promises of God's word. We need supernatural help with that. So can I just stop right now and can I just pray for our children? I'm just going to pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name and power of Jesus Christ and by the Holy Spirit and through the Holy Spirit, we're just going to pray, would you give our children, would you give our youth, would you give those seniors who are launching into the new chapter of their life, would you give them faith, supernatural faith by your spirit right now in the name of Jesus to believe in you and all the promises you give in your word. And I'm going to pray that for us too as adults, that you would give us supernatural faith as a gift so that we can trust and see your goodness, Lord, through that faith you give. We ask this in Jesus' name and by the power of the Holy Spirit and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, we need to be praying that our people will have faith. Our children, our youth, even us. So this is something we can ask God for. I want to show you a quick story. This comes from um, Mark, and, and there's an account where a man comes to Jesus who has a son, speaking of children, who's demon-possessed. Okay, and so this man is obviously distraught, and he comes to Jesus, and he says this, from childhood, this demon has often thrown my child into fire or water to try to kill him, okay? But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us, Jesus. Now, let me read that again. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And then listen to what Jesus says. If you can... If you can't, do you know who you're, I mean, this is Jesus right here, and do you know who you're talking to? If you can't, everything is possible for who? One who believes. This is interesting, friends, because he doesn't say for God. He could have put the burden on God. He doesn't put the burden on God. Who does he put the burden on? Where does he place the burden of responsibility? On whether we're going to believe or not. That's where he's placing the responsibility. And then listen to what this father says. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. He's saying, I, I believe enough to get here, Jesus. I believe enough to come to you, but help me because I, I, I still can't believe that something like this is possible because it, it's just not done. It's just unheard of. And nowhere else in the world are demons cast out and are boys healed from things like this. I just haven't seen it. So, so Jesus, help me overcome my unbelief. And apparently Jesus gives him the faith he needs because the boy is then set free. This prayer of this father is the right prayer. God, help me overcome my unbelief. What if we started praying that? God, help me to believe because I need help. I need supernatural help to believe in your claims and your promises.
Okay? This is the first thing we need to do. We, we strengthen our faith by just asking God for more faith. Secondly, I strengthen my faith by just hanging in there. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to hang in there. In fact, we were talking about this as an E-team this week. And uh, Pastor Bob said, you know, what Thomas did right was even though he probably thought his friends were out of his, their minds, he just hung in there. And he stuck with it and he stayed with them. Sometimes there's going to be moments, friends, where our faith is going to be weak and we're going to see things happen and we're going to wonder, where, where are you, God? And how is that? How could you allow that to happen? I mean, let's just be honest. And sometimes we're just going to have to hang in there, surrounding ourselves with other believers and people who can encourage us in our faith. Isaiah 40, 31 says, they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. And by strength there, I think he means our faith. They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And sometimes we just got to hang in there. We got to wait on God surrounding ourselves with other believers. But the promise is if you will do that, he will then show up and reveal his goodness. Your faith will be rekindled like a flame, you know, like a, like a dying fire that you got to fan into flame, you know, and get that fire going again. He'll do that in our hearts. I've just been amazed by what we've seen God do this last year at Edinburgh Church. It kind of started, I, I, honestly, I just had this burning desire in my heart to tell the E-team something. In January, I believe it was, I told the E-team, I, e I said, I think this year we're going to see signs and wonders. God's just telling me we're going to see some signs and wonders at this church. And um, I think it was like two weeks later, something like that, there was a guy across the road in the neighborhood across the road, and he, he said, he, he drove over here in somewhat of a panic. I wasn't person that directly talked to him, I think uh, Pastor Amanda was, but she said, he's telling us our building's on fire. He said he was sitting in his house across the road, and he saw fire coming out of our building. And so we all scrambled to go, people getting up on the roof, like, where's this fire? There was no fire. Someone across the road, claimed, I don't know, what do you, we all want, what is that? It's interesting that, like, fire was coming down on the church, at the, you know, on the the day of Pentecost. And we're just wondering, what, what is that? What is that all about? Then, I'm, I'm, not too long after that, friends, we started seeing some, some healings around this place. Did you know how many healings we've seen this year? We, we've got someone who was supposed to get surgery. She got prayed for. She had to pray multiple times. Surgeon said, we're not going to have to do the surgery after all. We've had multiple people have back pain and different kinds of pains. They got prayed for, and now their body has been healed. We just had another one of those last week. I mean, this is a testimony from a lot of people saying that they came forward for prayer, they got prayed for, and in some way they experienced what they would claim is a miraculous healing. I can just tell you what the testimony of the people here at Edinburgh Church are saying. By the way, my wife is one of the people who received one of the healings. Church, we're, we're seeing God move in this place. I, I can't get all into it. You're going to hear more about this. For those of you who come to the annual celebration, I'm telling you, God is doing something miraculous with our finances right now. During this time of what was a, considered a pandemic, and that's because of your generosity and God stirring something in you and God doing something in your life. But man, you're going to hear about it at the annual celebration. It's 
to me at least, it's a sign and a wonder what God has done. And I could go on and on. And friends, some of this stuff blows our mind. And some of us, it raises skepticism. And it makes us wonder, could these things be true? I brought up a few weeks ago, you know, the fact that I speak in tongues. Man, I kind of paid for that one. <laughs> listen, uh, but God was telling me that morning, I want you to share. Now, whether I handled that the right way or not, listen, that's something God, and I wanted you to know your pastor and something that God's done in your pastor's life. It's a gift I've had since I was 18 years old. And is it weird? It's weird. Is it odd? It's odd. Is it strange even for me? It is strange even for me. But here's why I am proud of Edinburgh Church, because as weird and confusing as it all is and as problematic as it can be, you hung in there. And I believe when we hang in there, when God is saying some of these things are going to blow our minds and they're not going to make sense and they're going to be a little confusing, I just believe when we hang in there, good things are at the end of that tunnel. And I think good things are coming. Do you believe that? I believe that when we hang in there, he says, I will renew your strength. Even if these things are confusing right now, even if you're a little skeptical right now, just keep hanging in there. And let's see what God might do in this place. So here's my challenge to you. Here's the challenge I'm going to throw your way. Here's my challenge. If you're taking notes, I'm going to challenge you to start praying some bigger, bolder prayers. you got to start praying some bigger, bolder prayers for your life. Maybe it is for some of you, it's your finances. It's in a financial situation. And you need to pray, start praying some bigger, bolder prayers for your financial. Maybe it's, maybe it's a business or your workplace or a job situation. I'm going to challenge you to start praying some bigger, bolder prayers. Maybe it's for your kids or a family member. Or it's for your parents who don't believe. Maybe it's for your neighbor. Maybe it's for your community. Maybe it's for our world. What would happen if Edinburgh Church started praying some bigger, bolder prayers and then just acting like God was going to answer those prayers? I wonder what would happen and what would be unleashed from this place. And so I'm going to end this morning with a little bit of a history lesson. This comes from the early 18th century, so the early 1700s here, where God did something remarkable that maybe some of you have never heard about. This was, by the way, what led up to the revolution and the founding of the United States of America. But in the early 1700s, the Holy Spirit started to spread throughout the colonies and even Western Europe. And we know from records, we have multiple records and accounts of this, entire towns were giving their life to Jesus Christ. Children started actually having revelations in their homes and causing parents' jaws to drop of what these children were learning and saying and claiming they were experiencing from God. And it became very apparent God was doing something supernatural across the land. And when you trace it back, like one of, one of the igniters of all this was this little church in Northampton, Massachusetts. Pastor of this church was named Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards was a kind of a weird guy. He was a strange guy. He didn't really connect all that well with his congregation. He, he was kind of ahead of his time. But he started preaching these messages on the Holy Spirit. And he started preaching these messages about faith. And his people started to believe. And something ignited. 
And people started traveling from other towns and coming all around to hear what was happening in this little church in Northampton, so much so that their balcony one time got so overcrowded, it collapsed. And some people were injured. Fortunately, no one died. But the people just kept coming, and the Holy Spirit was just unleashed across the land. George Whitfield started preaching in the fields of England, and then he came over to the U.S., so much so that Benjamin Franklin, who wasn't even a believer, heard one of his sermons and was so moved, he gave him all of his money. And revival took place across the land all starting with a little church who started to believe that God might do something. And I just can't help but what happened if we here at Edinburgh Church started to believe that God might do something in our lives, in our church, in our community, and across the world. What if we saw revival? Why can't we? You tell me why we can't. Do we know how big our God is? Do we know what our God is capable of doing? The question is, are we going to believe and start acting like it's already begun? Friends, that's going to be my challenge to us today. Because I want to see revival. I want to see revival in your life. I want to see revival in this church. And I want to see revival across the land and across the world. And what if it started with Edinburgh Church? But here's what I can tell you. If we're going to see revival in our world today, it's got to start with you and me. So can we go to God right now and just pray again that he would give us the faith that we need, the supernatural faith that gives God the fuel he has chosen to use to unleash his goodness in your life and in mine. Jesus, you are our Lord. You are our God. Breathe your Holy Spirit across this church this morning. Just, just unleash your spirit, Lord. We've seen some pretty incredible things already happen this year. And I'm just going to pray. I know some of us are skeptical. I know some of us have questions. But what if you could just help us, Jesus, put those skepticisms and those questions aside and make room like little children to just believe. Believe that you're going to do something big and you're going to do something that's going to change our community and even the world. We don't know what that's going to look like. We don't know how that's going to happen. We don't have to. We just got to keep following you and trusting in you, Lord. So give us the faith to do that. Give our children the faith to do that. Give our youth the faith to do that, God. And we're going to believe right now. We're going to see big things because you are a big God. <laughs> we love you. We're going to pray this right now in Jesus' name by the power of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen. Hey, church, love you. Let's stand up. Let's give this God some worship. He is worthy.